MGM presents a Christmas story. The movie that sends up Santa Claus. Starts Friday at a theater near you. Welcome to So What's the Problem, where we rewatch a movie from our youth to determine if it's problematic by today's standards. I'm Jen. And I'm Jimmy. Today we'll be discussing A Christmas Story, which was released in the US on November 18th, 1983, and in the UK on October 26th, 1984. It was written by, is it Gene Shepard? Anyway, um, Lee Brown and Bob Clark, it was directed by Clark. It stars Melinda Dillon, Darren McGavin, Peter Billingsley, Ian Petrella. And the voice of Gene Shepard. You're having as much trouble as I usually do. Yeah, no? Jimmy and I have thought of the problems the movie has, three each, and we'll discuss them. We also have thought of one positive the movie has. Yeah, and what's the synopsis? Oh, yeah, I could read the synopsis. Ralphie, a nine-year-old boy, tries to convince his parents, his teacher, and Santa that he needs a Red Ryder BB gun for Christmas. What's your history with this movie, Jen? I think I saw it maybe once when I was a kid. I caught bits and pieces on TV. And, like, the main thing I always remembered was the tongue thing. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like that was the part I always caught on TV. I don't know what it's like there, but in America, it's on... I want to say, I don't know if it's still TBS that shows it, but there's a station that... A channel that shows it all day, every Christmas, just back to back all day. Mm-hmm. And so it's funny because when I was a kid, it felt like all the other kids loved this movie and it was just a movie I didn't watch. Mm-hmm. And so it seemed beloved. But at this point, I think everyone's seen it so many times that they're sick of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the most played out Christmas movie, I think, in the United States. I haven't seen it since I was a kid, and it's one of those things, like, I would ask Dylan, you know, to watch it with me around Christmas, and he's like, no, I'm sick of it. I'm not watching it again. I never need to see it again. Obviously, we don't have that here. We don't. It's not a thing here. I saw I saw it on TV once when I was a kid. BBC One, I think, showed it, and then I never saw it since. I've got no nostalgia with this movie or its themes. Because I didn't grow up in America or the 40s. My dad wasn't a miserable, angry prick. I lived with my gran. I never wanted a BB gun. I never knew anyone who got their tongue stuck in a pole. I don't remember wanting anything in particular as much as Ralphie does. The only thing I can identify with in this movie is getting bullied. That sucks. <laughs> this movie means nothing to me. <laughs> it's what we're, um, what I'm, I'm trying to establish here. Yeah, that sounds about right. People make a huge deal out of the leg lamp, and I don't get it. I don't get it either. It's kind of creepy. It's just kind of weird. It's like people saying, well, this is, you know, what it's like to grow up. You know, it it shows you um, uh, true experiences of being a child and all that. But I'm like, again, apart from the bullying, I didn't really experience any of this. Mm -hmm. It's not even just because it's an American thing. It's also because of the fact that, well, it is kind of mostly because of the American thing, but 
like the schools as well, the way the 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 like the kids are given all the, the the teachers the Christmas presents and everything, and I'm like, that never happened. That was not a thing when I was a kid, and it might have been maybe it was in the forties. It is a thing now. Like the school will send home a list of like the teacher's favorite candy and their favorite restaurants and like oh really there's like a whole their favorite color like their favorite snacks and um the kids i mean obviously not everyone does it but like the kids take gifts to the teacher and it lists everyone in the school too like the secretary the librarian everyone so like xander's teacher this year got a bag of twix and a gift card to somewhere i don't know i wasn't the one that bought it but yeah that's the thing twice a year now christmas and then at the end of the year schools in this country actually discourage um parents from giving teachers presents they say that it's not a thing that you should do anymore because basically teachers say we get paid for this you don't have to get presented yeah but i bet your guys your teachers get paid a lot more than american teachers probably American teachers get paid crap. They get paid so little, and then they end up having to buy a lot of the supplies and stuff themselves. Like, And it's gotten so much worse than when I was a kid. Because when I was a kid, you had your supply list. And then maybe it would say, like, if you can, bring a box or two of tissues or something. And now the lists, like, the tissues required. And they'll ask for, like, wet wipes and stuff like that. And it's mm-hmm. like... Because the school isn't providing this stuff and the teachers are having to buy it on their own. And um, it's really sad. (laughs) Well, I work in a charity shop and, or what do you call them, thrift stores or something in the US? Bullshit like that. Um, (laughs) Charity shop. I do the books. I work in the book department, the the media department, basically. And this woman, these two women come in, but one of them said to my manager, um, uh, that she works in one of the local nurseries, one of the local um, kindergartens, and she said that she um, that she needs books, like brand new books, for the kids um, in this nursery, and she had to pay for them out of her own pocket. So she was going to charity shops to get them because she would get them cheap. Yeah. Um, and she was looking for good quality books for the kids, and so she. Uh, so my manager, we did have an offer on. It was five books, five kids' books for a pound. Um, but then we took the offer off, and then like the next week, this woman came in to get books. So the manager just gave her the five for a pound. So she bought a she bought a load of books uh, nice. for her for her kids in the nursery. So let's just get right into our problems, Jen. And what is your first problem? Um, about 15 or 20 minutes into the movie, I just wrote boring. Yeah. I just found the movie kind of boring. Same. It's not one of my problems, but yeah. I mean, I've looked, I've looked up things online and people are saying that, um, people are obviously saying what good things and bad things are because this is the age we live in nowadays. Mm -hmm. Um, like good things and bad things about this, this movie. Um, none of them really say boring, but a lot of them say that it's very funny as a positive mm-hmm. and I'm like is it very funny or is it just like amusing sometimes because I didn't find it hilarious or you know and again I never had to I never had to get dressed up in a bunny suit when I was a kid you know the stuff yeah. like that embarrassing stuff like that just doesn't it doesn't happen to me 
Um, I think the most embarrassing thing that happened to me was uh, family members trying to grab me when I was in the bath. I was coming. I was coming out of the bath, or was I getting dressed to go outside or something? Family members grabbing me when I was naked, and another family member taking a picture of me. Oh no, that's awful. Yeah, I don't know. I was a kid, like seven or eight or something like that. But luckily, yeah. luckily, um, if I was given any clothes or anything, I didn't like. My mom didn't make me wear it because I remember my aunt once or twice got like in the nineties, um, like hip hop Looney Tunes was big, like shirts with like, yeah. Uh, Bugs Bunny dresses a rapper or something, and I got one. I forget which character it was, but um, my aunt gave me one of those shirts, and I was like fifteen, and I wouldn't have worn it at any age, but especially not fifteen. Like at that point, I didn't even want to wear it to bed. Mm-hmm. I would have died if my mom had made me actually wear it because I hated it so much, and I and I felt awful like i because i was like my aunt wasted her money and i know she doesn't have a ton of money like i yeah uh, if i get a gift i don't like um even as a kid like it wasn't necessarily that i was mad that i didn't get what i want but it's just like i feel really guilty that somebody spent money on me and i don't like what they gave me i never get forced to wear anything either to just wear whatever i want when i was a kid <laughs> i was never forced into anything um but yeah, well, my first problem is um, spit. 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 Because I don't like I don't like seeing people spitting in movies. And Ralphie does it three times in that one dream sequence <laughs> where, he's, where he's looking. But not just that; it's also when the the kids have got all their false teeth in, or all the pretend toy teeth in their mouths, yeah. and they take them out and put them on the teacher's hand. It's gross. Straight it's really out. Gr- their I was thinking about that while I was watching it. I. I wanted to at least see her, like, rub her hand on her dress or something. Like, I wanted yeah. some acknowledgement of how gross that must be. You know, she's a trooper. She doesn't care. I mean, maybe in the 40s, I didn't care about that sort of thing because, you know, personal hygiene wasn't the best. But, um, I don't know. Don't even, we don't even know when this movie was set. It's supposed to be, like, the 40s, but there's no year given. Yeah, I was surprised they never tell you the exact year. Um, oh, one thing I was going to say when you were talking about the reviews you read online, like the things that people had said about it Uh um, is that what bothers me is that I don't remember what I thought about it when I was a kid. Like I obviously Mm -hmm. didn't love it because I only watched it like once, maybe twice, but I have no idea. Like, did I find this funny when I was a kid? Did I not? Like, I have no idea because it's one of those things where it's like the Goonies or something where it's like, well, maybe if you found it hilarious when you were a kid, the nostalgia and everything makes you find it hilarious now. Yeah. Um, not that people can't just find it hilarious, they just have different tastes than us, but, like, uh-huh. with movies like this, I always wonder, like, where does the nostalgia fit in, you know? I, I think this movie is pure nostalgia for people, though, because I think a lot of the people who love this movie and say that it's funny, they can't find the same joke funny every single time they watch it, because they know what the joke is. There are things in Home Alone I still find funny every time. Ah. Uh, Right, fair enough, but like stuff like movies that I personally find funny, like Airplane and Naked Gun, I don't laugh at those anymore because I know those jokes off by heart. Mm-hmm. So I think that maybe like movie like this, like people would probably laugh at Ralphie being dressed as in the bunny outfit. Well, um, I I think 
part of it though is I think you and I watch movies differently from how a lot of people watch them. Because, like, yeah. we'll watch it and we might actually, like, talk about, like, character motivations yeah. and stuff like that. Whereas, like, I've known a lot of people who, when they want to talk about a movie, they just sit there and go, oh, do you remember that part where that guy said this thing? Like, all they're doing is talking about things that happened in the movie and there's, like, absolutely no depth to the conversation whatsoever. Yeah. Which is fine. It's fine if, like, you want to sit there and talk about, like, Anchorman and just talk about the funny, just say all the funny quotes but I, I don't enjoy doing that. That's not how I enjoy talking about movies. So maybe, no. like, I never thought about it until right now, but maybe we're even watching them differently. Yeah, I've had conversations like that, like, recently, with people that I know that's like, do you like this movie? Do you, you seen this movie? Yeah, I've seen that movie. Do you like it? Yeah. Or do you like the bit where blah, blah, blah? Um, it's so funny when blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay. That's, that's not a conversation. That's just, like, recapping the movie and seeing what bit yeah. you think it's funny. Um, but, yeah. But, that, you know, fair enough. Anyway, spit. Don't like it. Uh, I just want to tell you real quick. Uh, the worst I ever had with that was Dylan and I took his mom to see a movie. Um, I think it was, like, I forget. Oh, it was, I know what it was. It was Click, the Adam Sandler movie. And before the movie starts, and we've never seen this movie before. It's just come out. Before the movie starts, she's like, remember that part in the trailer where he does this? Like, she keeps talking about, like, remember this? Remember <laughs> this? And we're like, let's not recap the trailer right before we watch the movie. Like, you're causing us to remember jokes that we are now not going to laugh at because we were just thinking about them. Yeah. But it was, I just, I don't get it. I don't get people who talk about movies. Like, I, I don't get the appeal of sitting there just quoting things. Yeah. I mean, we're not saying there's anything wrong with it. It's no, just, there's it's not. not just don't get it. Yeah, it's just not for us. It's just not the way that we... I mean, I, I would probably do it with my friend, like, if we're just sitting and just shooting the shit, and it's like, it's just like, we're just having conversation and trying to make each other laugh or whatever, and maybe say things for movies and different voices and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I can see that sort of thing if you're just having a, you know, a fun old time, but... To actually have a conversation with someone and that's all they bring to the conversation is quotes, then mm-hmm. it's not really a conversation. Well, and the reverse of that is I've also talked to people where I can tell they do not enjoy how I talk about movies. It's like they're, mm. it's clear they think I'm thinking about too much. Yeah. So, second problem, Jen. What is it? Hmm. Um, okay. When his brother falls down... And he's, mm-hmm. like, in the coat, all bundled up. Mm-hmm. And he says he can't get up. That kid totally could have gotten up. Yeah. Like, the way he's moving, like, the at one point, like, he's kind of on his arm. And it's, like, clear he could push himself up with the arm and get up. Like, it, it was not believable to me that he was stuck. I know. I All I could think was, like, you know, some kids just determine they can't do something and then they just don't do it. They should have had him rolling around differently or something because it it was very clear he could get up if he wanted to. Yeah, we we've got very different problems with this movie, Jed. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he clearly could get up. It's it's evident as well when he's running, mm-hmm. um, and he's running behind them. Oh, the the humor in this movie, right, is sort of mixed for me. There is some genuinely funny lines, I think, in this movie. Mm-hmm. There is some good stuff in this movie. Um, but then you've got the bullies chasing the kids, um, and it's all sped up. And 
when they talk, it sounds like they're talking in like chipmunk voices, and they do that twice, and that's like I don't like that. Don't yeah. Just and then they do it another two times, but it's not in, it's not sped up. It's just normal. Um, why couldn't you just have done that four times instead of doing it sped up twice and then normal f- twice? Yeah. Anyway, because right, my second problem is abuse as humor because there's a lot of abuse in this movie yeah. and a lot of it is done for like humor for jokes because mm-hmm. a dog gets its ear stuck in the door and you can see the dog's ear like at the other side and it's the dog's howling and it's played as a joke yeah and then poor Schwartz getting like beaten up when he's on the fo- when they're on the phone and you can hear him getting his ass handed to him and he did fuck all for it. The only thing that made me feel better about that at all was the fact that the mother looked horrified. Yeah. Like I was glad the mom looked horrified, like that it wasn't being played as like he deserved that or anything like that. No, it wasn't getting played as that, but it's still getting played as a joke though. It's still for the audience to find amusing because nothing comes of it. Yeah. It makes me feel like the kid's an asshole, because, like Ralphie's an asshole, because mm-hmm. he should have just said I heard it from Dad. Yeah. But instead, he got his friend's ass kicked, and what, yeah. what a shitty friend he is. Exactly. But yeah, I just don't like it when, especially abuse of kids. I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes, like, it, abuse can be funny. Somebody standing there and a ball hits them in the head and they fall over. If that's done right, that can be funny. If that is timed right, then that sort of thing can be funny. Or if it's done like as a joke in the background or something, you know. But like mm. to have it is actually part of your. Well, I would say sketch because there's a lot of sketches in this movie. Rather than like be an actual like movie, it's just like a lot of comedy sketches sort of sewn together. Yeah. But like, if you have your if you have one of your kids getting beaten up, and. I mean, yeah, the mother does look terrified. She looks horrified by it. And that's that's fine. But it's still there for us as an audience to go, ha, he's getting his ass kicked. <laughs> yeah. Well, I even find, like, even, like, I've always thought, you know, the whole soap thing was mildly abusive, too. That's, come yeah, on. No, absolutely it's, it's abusive. Like, that's not okay. I, I am so glad my mom never did that to me. She spanked me once and I cried so bad she never did it again. Like, and she didn't feel good about it the first, like, when she did it. But, like, then she just never did it again. Like, my parents didn't spank me. Um, I never got the soap. And I remember my next door neighbor, her grandson, who was, like, seven years younger than me, when he was little, God, he was, like, four or something. And she heard him say, God damn. Mm-hmm. And he's at the age where it's like, he wouldn't know mm-hmm. that you're not supposed to say that. And she did wash his mouth out with soap. Like, I loved that woman. She was like a grandmother to me. But like, after that, I think I loved her a little less. <laughs> like, I yeah. I did not like that. Because I was, it, it also seemed like such an old thing. Like, it was weird to see somebody do that in like the 90s. That never happened to me, the soap thing. But it was always threatened. Um, it was a, it was something that you you would get threatened with as a kid, but it never actually happened. I want to say a preschool teacher threatened to do that to me, but I snitched to my mom. So, right. yeah. Well, I used to get hit as a kid. You know, growing up in Scotland in the eighties, it mm-hmm. happened. I'm not going to sugarcoat it, but like I, I would get like smacked, a bum mm-hmm. smacked if I did something wrong. 
but when I went to primary school for the first time, teachers were still allowed to hit kids in. Um, that didn't go out to like the early the early 80s. I went to school at the very end of that. Like I remember in first grade, my teacher had a paddle, mm-hmm. and my mom uh, had to like put in a note or something at the beginning of the year saying I wasn't allowed to be spanked. And I just remember being horrified at the time. And now it's even more horrifying thinking, like looking at like a six-year-old or something and imagining like not only them getting paddled, but getting paddled by your teacher. That's teachers should have never had permission to do that. No, of course not. I just looked it up and forms of corporal punishment banned by UK and um, UK state schools in 1987. But most Scottish local education authorities had already abolished it by the early 80s. So I was just there just <laughs> just in time when it was, uh, it was getting stopped. Yeah, anyway, this movie is getting, it's giving us cheery things to talk about. <laughs> uh, so what is your third problem? Um, was your third problem going to be racism? Yeah, I was, okay. I, I, I've got two just in case. Um, so if you said that, I was gonna say something else. So, um, then instead of that, I'll let you have that, and I'm just gonna no, say no, 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 no. What? No, I should say it. I should say the racism. You say the racism. Okay, fine. The other one I have is is one that is true, true and dear to my heart. Okay, all right. Well, then I have a problem with the racism. Right. The guy's singing at the Chinese restaurant and the rah 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 rah. Like, come on. I know. It's unnecessary. It's it's frustrating because the movie itself, like, while it wasn't for me, it's a cute movie. Yeah, it's got cute moments. I see the appeal of it as I'm watching it. And then to end it with racism. Although, now that I think about it, that's preferable to me than to Breakfast at Tiffany's where the racism shows up throughout the movie. I yeah. mean, if you're gonna have it, might as well stick it at the end. But I don't like it at all. It's just a very odd thing. To have in the movie, it's it's an odd way to end your movie. Mm-hmm. It's like the family, the dinner's been ruined, um, so they have to go out and they decide to go to a Chinese restaurant, and they're the only people in the Chinese restaurant, and the the waiters are singing "Deck the Halls," and obviously it's hilarious because they pronounce they pronounce R's instead of L's, which I do sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, that's it's called having a speech impediment. Uh, it's it's not really you know something that you should take the piss out of. But hey, it's fine. Um, but the uh, yeah, and that is the joke though. That is the joke. Um, and the family even laugh at it. Yeah. So you know the mum and dad especially laugh at the at the the shenanigans of these these uh, waiters. Um, who are just singing, uh, but yeah, it's it's a lazy joke and it's an easy joke and it's out of place really. Well, and the the racism in that scene takes away from like one really cute thing with the scene where they didn't tell the actress who plays the mother about the duck, mm-hmm. and so her reaction is a genuine reaction. And yeah. if you know it's genuine when you watch it, it's really it's quite adorable. Yeah, but I'm still annoyed by the racism right before that moment, and so I can't really enjoy it. Yeah, because it could be a sweet moment between the family. Mm-hmm. 
you know, because they're not arguing with each other, they're not fighting, they're not, um, the dad's not been a massive prick to his family, um, that they're just being a nice family sitting together about to have dinner for Christmas, and it's just sort of dampened by this racism, um, and it's it's just like, if it didn't have that in it, it would be a really nice scene, a really nice way to end the movie, and it's just, as it stands, it's just a really quite sort of sour taste to the end of the movie. So I'm glad you went with that one, Jen, because um, I, I only wrote down racism in the restaurant scene, but that was, I've also written my actual problem. I just put it in there in case you didn't see it. Um, but my actual problem, young Ralphie breaks the fourth wall in the scene where he is in the bathroom with his mum and he he turns and looks at the camera because he realises he's getting away with something. And he turns mm. and he looks at the camera and smiles. And then when his mum turns around, he looks at her and drops the smile. And it's like, does he know that his story's been told at that moment in time and that there's an audience watching him? Because this is a flashback. This is this That shouldn't happen. The w- only way I could explain that would be to say it's the story is being narrated by him. So it's not necessarily exactly what happened. It's what he remembers happening. So he remembers himself turning and looking at nothing and smiling. I don't know. (laughs) Because it's not like the dream sequences were real things that happened. No, but that's that's fine, though. That's completely different because that's a dream sequence. It's not the same thing as breaking the fourth wall. Okay. I know. (laughs) I'm just saying. You're you're playing devil's advocate, Jen. I am. And you're failing. But see... Because <laughs> you know, I don't like breaking the fourth wall unless it's yeah. truly, you know, necessary. And I just don't think it was necessary here. But yeah, racism, that's not good. Personally, and this might be controversial, I think racism is worse than breaking the fourth wall. It is. <laughs> it is. But breaking the fourth wall was something I usually come up with. <laughs> it's, it's like a running problem with me. But what was your other one that you had instead of racism? It's really upsetting to me when the kid's tongue is stuck to the pole. Like, watching it, like, thinking about it. Mm. Like, the whole thing is just really, really upsetting. And I can't find it funny because I'm just imagining how much it must hurt. I know. Thinking about, like, how if you were in that situation, it would be awful. But then the idea of what they would do to get the tongue off the pole is seems more horrifying than having the tongue stuck to the pole. And it yeah. just, it psychologically, it messes me up watching that scene. Yeah, it's not very nice. Racism is worse, though. Yeah, but... racism is worse. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like, I think it's funny. Like, I think the whole, you know, tongue on the pole thing, like, I think it's funny. I just am the kind of person that when I watch it, I'm thinking about other upsetting things about it and not the joke. So if it was just someone telling the story about it, you might think it was funny rather than seeing it. Maybe, Because yeah. seeing it then, you might be like, oh, no, that looks painful. And Yeah, but I do remember yeah. finding it funny when I was a kid. I do remember that because, I mean, that's the part that always stuck out to me from the movie. So, um, like, more than, like, a BB gun or a rabbit suit or a leg lamp. Like, that's what really stuck out to me. And I remember finding yeah. it funny when I was little, and I like anytime I see anything 
in a movie or something about somebody getting their tongue stuck to something cold. Like, I mean, I immediately think of this movie. Mm-hmm. Three things I remember about this movie. I'm trying to, I'm trying to like, see, that's the thing. I don't know when I remember things because I, I know I saw this movie as a kid and, but I've also seen things about the movie as I've got older. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you would always see maybe pictures or something of the movie or uh, clips of the movie and something about Christmas movies. But I do remember the tongue thing. I remember the leg lamp and I remember Ralphie beating up uh, Scott Farkas towards the end. Mm-hmm. I, remember, I always thought his name was Scott Farkas, but it's not. Um, but that's, I remember those three things. But I also remember, I think I remember him saying, oh, fudge. And then the narrator saying, but I didn't say fudge. Yeah. Uh, because I was watching it on, I was watching it on like BBC One in the morning. It must have been about 11 o'clock in the morning or something. And then to have that on there, I was like, oh, they almost said fuck. So <laughs> my, my mind is like, you know, censorship wise, that they actually kept that joke in because it's implied swearing. But uh, mm. there's a couple of lines. I've written one, but there is a couple of lines I like. Like, uh, only one thing in the world could have dragged me away from the soft glow of electric sex gleaming in the window. <laughs> That's a good line. It is a good He's talking line. about the lamp. Um, there is some good lines in here. Mm-hmm. The dad is totally to blame for losing the car nuts and bolts. Yeah. Because um, he knocks him out of Ralphie's hand. Uh, and when he gets to the car, he says to the mum, do you know what your son said? Mm-hmm. What a dick. It's like, yeah. I, I, I don't like that. It's, do you know what your son said? He's also my son, but he said something bad, so he's your son. Yeah, you know I, mean? I hate that. <laughs> uh, yeah, the dad's a dick. I mean, he's supposed to be, mm-hmm. but he's a dick. Right, Jen, what's your positive for this movie? Um, My positive is I do enjoy the structure of the movie. I enjoy the narrator um, telling the story of when he was a kid, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, this reminds me of Wonder Years. And then I looked it up, and it's like, apparently this was the inspiration for the Wonder Years, Mm. which makes total sense because it was reminding me of that. But I just, I like that. It was, at first, I didn't really like it. Um, I think it's just, I hated the writing for the narrator at the beginning. But I like that structure of the movie, and it's not something you see a whole lot. Yeah. Well, my positive is the mum, Ralphie's mum, because she's not perfect, and she does sort of fly off the handle and stuff when he swears and she puts the, the soap in his mouth and stuff like that. But then later on, she tries the soap mm-hmm. and then realises it's disgusting. <laughs> um, but also just the way the way that she defends her children and the way that she sticks up for her kids to their father as well. Mm-hmm. It's like she doesn't tell the dad everything. She, he doesn't need to know everything because she knows that he's going to lose the rag and like hit Ralphie probably. I just love that. I just think she's a great character. Mm-hmm. I mean, she has faults like everybody does, but it's just towards the end the way she just defends those kids and just like, and the way she talks to Randy when he's in the cupboard. Yeah. And then she says, uh, I'm going to close the door now. I'll see you soon. And closes the door. It's really sweet. Yeah. She's really nice to those boys. I didn't watch the second movie. Well, it's like the fifth movie, but I didn't watch uh, A Christmas Story Christmas. Uh, I was going to, 
but I only watched this movie last night, so I didn't watch this the sequel. It's actually got Peter Billingsley and a lot of the kid cast in it, um, as adults, obviously. Melinda Dillon uh, had retired when they were filming it, and she didn't want to come back, um, but then she just died earlier this year. So she died up just not long after the movie was released. But uh, Julie Haggerty from Airplane, she plays the mum. So the mum is a character in that second movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's not just like, it's not like she had died or anything. She's still mm-hmm. there. And okay. I'm interested to watch that to see if she's still, you know, a nice person who protects her, her cubs. <laughs> no, I just think, I was watching it and I was like, the mum's a bit annoying at first. But then, don't don't fuck our kids, because, <laughs> especially not, the, I mean, the dad, you, you can imagine that he's the kind of guy who would fly off the handle and just sort of, I think a lot of it's sanitised. I think the narrator has actually sanitised a lot of his childhood when he's yeah. talking about his dad, because he sanitises the swearing. You don't hear the dad swearing, but you know he's swearing. Yeah. But I think that there's more in that. I think that maybe the dad like hits them and uh, he's quite abusive, and I just think that that's for for the mother to to live through that <laughs> and to also be able to handle her husband. I think it's a great character because a lot of women have to do that. Yeah, <laughs> I've said all my notes. <laughs> okay, the only note I had was that the director had made Porky's, and Porky's was so successful that that's the only reason he was able to make this movie. It's always interesting to me to see that, like, there are directors who've made shit because Porky's is shit. Porky's is shit. Something, I mean, because while this isn't necessarily for me, it is a cute, charming movie. Like, I'm glad it Mm -hmm. exists. It's brought a lot of people happiness and humor. It's, like, a good thing that came from Porky's. Like, it's it's interesting to me. Artists can make something that maybe they wouldn't, I mean, I don't know how he feels about Porky's, but something they maybe wouldn't necessarily be proud of. But it means that they get to do something that they are incredibly proud of. Yeah, Bob Clark, he did direct the, the sequel to this, My Summer Story or whatever it was. It's got a couple of different names. But Charles Grodin plays the dad in it. That was in the 90s. Bob Clark directed a better Christmas movie than this because he directed uh, the original Black Christmas. Oh. Yeah. Okay. He directed that. So he's got Black Christmas and The Christmas Story. Uh, two completely different Christmas movies. <laughs> Although there's still a lot of violence in this one. <laughs> Usually aimed at children. Yeah, I watched it, I watched Black Christmas for the first time earlier this year. Yeah. I love that movie. But I think, I think that movie's so... It doesn't answer anything, mm-hmm. really. And I, I, I like that because it's like, you know, we don't know how it ends. And that shot at the end with the... Like, just seeing that woman with the, the thing over her face that she's been suffocated with, that's fucking terrifying. That's, like, a horrible thing, like, not only to endure, but for us to actually see. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, yeah, fucking I, I think that's a great movie. Anyway, that is all we have time for. Uh, next time, it'll be in two weeks. Well, three weeks, because we're taking the first week of January off. Um, but the second week of January we'll be back and since Jen I'm not going to say what it is but since Jen's birthday pick is going to be a musical then my next pick is also going to be a musical and it's going to be a movie Jen doesn't want to watch but it's going to be Labyrinth (sighs) (laughs) okay 
You did say to me that you might you would do it for the podcast. I will watch anything for the podcast. Unlike yeah. you, I will watch anything for the podcast. Well, um, see, you haven't seen Labyrinth before. I've already seen um, that something about Mary's thing. I don't know. It. I've been yelled at so much for not having seen it that I guess at this point it's like I'm resistant to it because it'll just one, it'll make everybody too happy, and also I know me, I know my tastes. Odds are, mm-hmm. I probably. At best, we'll like it. I won't mm. love it. Mm-hmm. That's fine. So then, if people ask if I've seen it, well, nobody asks if you've seen it. They assume you've seen it, and then yeah. you, know, you say, "Oh, I haven't seen it," and they freak out. But like, will I have to start lying to people about what I think about it because I don't want to deal with the backlash of saying I don't like this movie? Yeah, if that's how it turns out. Well, just just say you don't. You haven't seen it. They can find proof on the internet that I have, though. Oh, true. I sure they can. Especially, it's really funny. So, the other night, Dylan and I were at dinner, and he was talking about how he started watching Person of Interest. And I was like, yeah, when we watched the pilot, you know, I liked the pilot. We just didn't have time to watch it at the time. And he was like, we never, he was like, you must have watched it on your own, because we never, we never watched it. And I was like, yes, we did. And he was like, I've never seen it before this week. And I was like, we did a podcast about it. And he was like, no, we didn't. And I was able to go on the internet and find the podcast. And it's like, yeah. that argument, it's very rare that you have a way to prove something like that, yeah. like right there. And because we've argued about whether or not we've seen certain movies and we just never really know. I mean, I know I'm always right, but we don't have any proof. <laughs> um, but that one, I was, I would just like shoved my phone in his face and was like, see, you've watched it. And it, he was shocked he was like none of that was memorable to me yeah i i really like person of interest i watched all five seasons and that is a show that actually sticks a landing the finale of that okay. show is actually bloody good and amy acker is in it later on yeah uh so shiftybench.co.uk is the website contact to shiftybench.co.uk is the email address is there any point in asking you jen <laughs> No, not really. I'm on Twitter, Pilot Inspectors. Um, I keep meaning to join threads and then I forget. What would you do if I just like was like, yeah, l- let me tell you about my OnlyFans account? Um, <laughs> it's entirely up to you if you have an OnlyFans account. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I don't. But it just felt like it would be shocking if all of a sudden I was like, yeah, yeah I have an OnlyFans. Yeah, I f- it probably would be shocking to to listeners, but I'm quite open minded and I don't give a shit. So <laughs> okay. I- if, right. you had an, if you had an OnlyFans, then I'd be like, good on you. Hope you're making a lot of money. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Have a, a, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, and we will speak to you all next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.